listening to Bossy Britches with Lisa Schenninger and Jules Dumay. And today, actually, we are minus Jules Dumay. She has uh, taken some time off. And I am joined by Lisa Eastham. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Lisa. It's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like between two Lisas today. So. I know. <laughs> I was going to say, we have to use each other's names as often as possible while we're talking so that no one ever knows what's going on. So it sounds um, like I'm talking to myself if somebody yeah. walks by my door. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, Lisa. So, Lisa... <laughs> Um, today we're going to talk about, uh, zombies because it is the month of Halloween, Halloween all month long. Um, and zombies are a particular favorite of mine. Uh, and I, Lisa, I don't know how you feel about zombies in I'm general. A, I'm a big fan of zombies. It's, Good. it's not my like number one horror go-to, but it's right. in the top five. So. Okay. Yeah. What is your number one? Um, you know, I grew up on slasher movies, so that's a mm-hmm. big one. For me, and I like haunted house movies, ghosts. Oh, okay. Yeah, sla- uh, slasher movies, I was going to say. I saw your uh, your Final Girl yeah. um, article about um, Sydney Prescott. Yeah. Uh, what what site is that for? It's for uh, Cinefi. It's C-I-N-E-F-I-L-L-E-S for those who want to hear it. And um, So it's basically, yeah, I wrote a, a post about Sydney Prescott and how she defies the Final Girl stereotypes. So, and then I have another post coming up that's about coming of age in horror for women. So that should be posting sometime this week on there. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll have to get some links up so people can go and see that for themselves. Uh, but today, unfortunately, we're not talking final girls. We are talking about zombies. Uh, Fear the Walking Dead just wrapped up. And of course, The Walking Dead is back now for, is it sixth season? I believe so. Yeah. God, yeah. Oh my God. Um, so Already? Yeah. <laughs> Right? I can't believe it. Uh, Bob's Burgers is also on its sixth season. Wow. I'm just like, what the hell? How did this happen? Because I can remember oh. Walking Dead in 2010 when it started. I'm like, I can't believe it already. <laughs> yeah. that I still remember that pilot. That was still yeah. still incredible. Um, so zombies are on everybody's mind because for Halloween, I think they're kind of the enduring um, postmodern horror trope, I think. Uh, because you can use zombies to tell a lot of different stories about, um, not just horror stories, you can use it, I think we've seen, um, to critique a lot of different things. So, uh, so Fear the Walking Dead is the spinoff of The Walking Dead, and it's, they hyped it as it was going to be kind of letting us know what happened at the beginning, all that stuff that Rick slept through in his blissful hospital slumber. Lucky Rick, wow. (laughs) Yeah, right? Um, so... The thing that, like, that keeps surprising me that I have to keep being reminded of is that The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead apparently exist in a universe where zombies never became a pop, like, were never a pop culture thing. Um, So they never have seen Night of the Living Dead, (laughs) which I'm very sorry for that entire Right, and uh, that's why they never use the Z word, because it's not something in their vocabulary, which is strange. So the thing for me with Fear the Walking Dead, I was initially really excited that we'd get to see the, like, as chaos descends upon civilization, right? And we'd get to see the breakdown. What they actually delivered, I thought, was a lot um, different than what I thought it was going to be. And it was a lot more disappointing for me personally. Um, Not only because I hated every character (laughs) in it. (laughs) I was like, like, I feel like there should be some kind of stakes where I don't want them to get eaten by zombies, but... For every single character I mean, in the cast, I was like, I think eh. you just mean every main character because there is Tobias. That oh no, Tobias, who the show should yeah. be about. Well, honestly. I said, I think I said like, when we like last saw Tobias, and I kind of knew that was going to be the last time we saw him for a while. When she puts mm-hmm. him, you know, tells him to go, and he's 
I'm like, I hope that, like, if this show continues on for a few seasons, like, season three, they just kind of, like, they're in Fresno or something, and they come across Tobias, and he's, like, running his own Woodbury, but, like, the good kind of Woodbury, (laughs) not the governor's Oh, yeah, I don't think... But, like, he's got his own compound, and he's, like, just a badass zombie hunter. No, Tobias is going to be, like, the benevolent type of uh, governor, because he, like... We've already seen, like, in his little bit of screen time that he got, he was he was trying to warn uh, Madison. He was trying to give her tips on how to survive and, like, what she needed to do and that she had completely ignored all of it. And I, I just found Tobias to be a much more interesting character because we've already done the thing where nobody understands what's happening. Like, we yeah. saw that through Rick, like, trying to adjust and not really understanding and, and, and you know, interacting with people who already knew what was happening. Um, so that they kind of replicated that again, like, in that dynamic was really disappointing. Like, I would much rather see the guy who is as prepared as he can be. I mean, this poor kid walking right. around with, like, a butter knife in the middle of the high school, like, trying to, like, defend himself. Um, so I was really disappointed by that, that he had such a tiny role. And I do hope he comes back. Um, in fact, I, by about the second episode, I was like, can I just, I would just pay money for all of these people to go away. And Tobias and The Walking like, Dead. I, yeah, I will f- I will finance a spinoff of Fear the Walking Dead. They should at least the, have the Yeah, they should at least have like webisodes Dead. or something. Cuz they're doing that oh, like yeah. flight whatever and, the number is, the webisodes and like things right now and it's to tie in with Fear the Walking yeah. Dead and The Walking Dead and it's like no, do a Tobias one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do that too. Yeah. Yeah. Disappointing. But uh so like okay so then Fear the Walking Dead I think also for me I recapped it for um the Televixen and I felt kind of bad cuz I was really excited about the show before it started and once it started <laughs> I was like oh boy this is <laughs> this is not good I'm not enjoying this um the first episode was great and then in the middle it kind of sagged and it I think it had a lot to do with the fact that in the first episode we sort of see the beginnings of these zombies right but we don't have any answers and then like I agree. I totally agree. I think that's one of the bigger faults for me was that it went almost too fast. And I know there were people who were complaining, oh, it's going to be too slow. Mm -hmm. It's too, it's this and that, like, especially after the first episode. And I was like, but it like within six episodes, you've already almost reached the chaos of the walking dead. And I'm like, no, it needs to be something else. It needs to be a little bit slower burn than that for me. So. Yeah, that I feel the same way because I already know what a zombie landscape looks like. Like we've had so yeah. many um you know different versions of people fighting zombies and in the wilderness basically. Like civilization is gone. And so I was really kind of hoping that this would be a story about like dealing with your life as this thing was slowly happening, you know, like around you and you aren't, you're not really aware of it, but they sort of got, that was like over with by the second episode. Like they were already descended into chaos. Well, And then there's, there's already Um, so much that we know from watching the walking dead that they don't know mm -hmm. or that they're showing us. And it's like, no, we already know that everybody has the virus or whatever it is. We already know that no matter how you die, you're going to come back. And that's part of the mythology. So it's like, it's, you're showing these things and we already know. <laughs> yeah, like the emotional impact of the doctor, like losing right. all hope, right? And trying to, to extinguish it in, I, I forgive me, I cannot remember any character's names, so I'm just going to go with their, <laughs> with their positions. So the nurse, um, like she has to have her bubble pop, yeah. like, you know, and but 
all the emotional impact of that is completely like dead because we've already had that. And I don't even watch The Walking Dead regularly. And that was still something that I had picked up through Fanish Osmosis, right? I already knew the details of everybody has the disease. No matter how you die, you come back from this point forward. So for the doctor to tell the nurse that, it's kind of like, oh, okay, whatever, you know, like, I guess if this were, if I were coming into the franchise and Fear the Walking Dead was my entry point, that would be significant. But I I think there's not really a big population that hasn't already yeah. encountered the Walking Dead. I mean, it's such a huge, like, juggernaut of a show. Um, like, I don't feel like Fear the Walking Dead is going to be pulling from that pool of people who have right. not had exposure to it. Um, so it's disappointing on that level. And then also, like, like if I'm watching a zombie movie, I want there to be a lot of zombie action. And there, it really wasn't until the final episode yeah. of the run. And it's only six episodes, so you can get through it really fast if you marathon it. But and then, but then in the final episode, there's finally like a lot of zombie fights, and which was exciting. But at the same time, I cared so little about any of the characters that it was kind of like if they make it, yeah, if they I... don't, I'm not really. You know, yeah, I'm not really going like, to be bothered either me way. Personally, I mean, obviously, I love Kim Dickens from everything that Kim Dickens has ever done, mm-hmm. and but I also, yes. on a personal level, and I won't get into my own like family history or anything, but I kind, I personally connected with her story from the beginning because it reminded me of something mm-hmm. in my family. So I did connect with her, but at the same time, it's like. <sighs> Like, it's not an instant, yeah. like, I'm going to be so upset if everybody dies on this show. I'm really not. And it would just be, I, I'm mad because yeah. I like Kim Dickens and I want to see her more. So I, the same way I came into it, I love Kim Dickens and I love Cliff Curtis. Oh, yeah, I was really Cliff Curtis to too. see him headlining a show. But by the end of the episodes, I was like, if Cliff Curtis went away for a little while, I don't think I'd be that bothered. Yeah, there was actually guess, a lot of... Spe- I was so tired of everyone. There was a lot of speculation before the finale that Cliff Curtis was going to die. Like, that maybe it mm-hmm. was just a one-and-done season for him, and then he didn't. And then people were kind of like, well, we don't really care if he does or not. And then the yeah. big death was, you know, his ex-wife was Elizabeth Rodriguez's character. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, she's got to go do Orange is the New Black, so... That's fine. Yeah. It was sad, and the way that they did it was very well done and very well acted by all of them. Yes. But, yeah. Now, yeah. the really... Like, it's it, it's never good when you get to the end of a season and you think, I I want less of these people now. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, the the season ender should always make you want more so that you, you know, you make it through the hiatus and come back, and instead of... I just, like, there are very few characters on the show that I'm interested in seeing. And there's very little zombie stuff that I think that there's left for them to do that would make me interested in seeing yeah. it, you know? Um, if if that's the kind of thing I want to watch, I'll just watch The Walking yeah. Dead. Yeah, and they, they introduced the most intriguing character on Fear the Walking Dead at the very end of the season, and that's Strand. Yes. Who yes. is fantastic. That was the highlight of I, the end of the season to me, because... He really I mean, was. I just absolutely adored... I mean, they give us very little about the character... Um, and he's very mm-hmm. intriguing and just ruthless, and I really, really yeah. Enjoyed and that. the I mean, the actor's great, and you just don't know where he's coming from exactly, what he's about. It's like you just don't know where that's mm-hmm. gonna go yet. And I think that's kind of like the hook. That's gonna be the hook for people to come back is that guy, because it's yes, I hope so. Um, and I hope he manages to survive the Walking Dead franchise curse, um, because he is a name yeah, that is character. A <laughs> 
you know, which severely limits his, uh, his longevity, um, even in a zombie yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. Strand, I think, was, I, when they introduced Strand, I sort of got interested again, uh, much more than I had been to that point. There is one thing I do want to praise the show for, and that's the teenage mm-hmm. characters, um, who are as realistic, um, as I think it's possible to get on TV, um, and that's kind of secondary to the show, but I found them really frustrating um, and uh, a little bit like their their innocence is is refreshing. As opposed and, to Carl, uh, <laughs> as opposed to Carl, yes, who I I I don't watch the show often, but I do not like whenever Carl's on. I kind of get up and walk out of the room because I just find that character really really frustrating in yeah. not good ways. Um, but like the the teenagers in in Fear the Walking Dead really reminded me of teenagers uh, in shows like um, yeah. Friday Night Lights or My So-Called Life where they're, they're frustrating in a really realistic and natural kind of way. Um, so I did, I do want to praise the show for that. Cause I think they did a fantastic job with those characters because you don't always no, like usually they're like and... whiny and spoiled yeah. and like, oh. and they make, yeah. And they make terrible decisions because they just, they not only don't have like the actual mental faculties to make good decisions um but also because they don't have the life experience and and, but they do have the willfulness so whenever they make bad choices you can understand it in a way that maybe you don't understand it in adult characters um so i just really liked that uh and they had there was a lot of vulnerability especially to um the daughter yeah cliff curtis's son like i said i cannot remember i i recapped the entire six episodes and i well retain i know that the daughter is single name alicia aside from Madison. because she's played by an actress named alicia who was on the hundred so like Great. you know i know her from the hundred okay. before fear the walking dead and so i remember her name is alicia and wikipedia tells me the son's named christopher so there you go yeah christopher yes Christopher. Um, I also, in my recaps, referred to Ruben Blades as Ruben Blades the entire time. Like, I, I didn't actually know the character's name for, like, three episodes. That's fine. Uh, That's all right. I'm not great with that. But, you know, it you didn't really need a whole lot of emotional involvement. Unfortunately. Show, unfortunately. And then, I mean, then you've got uh, Nick yeah. in his members-only jacket. <laughs> I was like, I was like, are we sure this Nick. show is set in, like, 2010? He's got a members-only jacket. Well, he, if you remember, those are the clothes he stole right. from the hospital from that but old man that died next to him. Yeah, so, but he spends the whole run like, of the series in that old man's clothes. And I'm like, and it's I'm been like, more than a day. <laughs> I know you're a junkie, but like, come on. There's other clothes. Yeah, like, they were back in their house. She was doing laundry. I, I, I mean, just like, are they trying the to give him, like, there's characters on The Walking Dead that have a very distinct, like, look. And, you know, like, everybody thinks of Rick in mm-hmm. his police uniform, and even after they got him out of the police uniform, they kind of keep him in that color palette. Yeah. And then everybody thinks of Daryl in his, like, vest and everything, and his, you think of and Glenn his in his baseball cap. Yeah, you think of ev- all these characters in their, like, very yeah. specific outfits. So I'm like, were they trying to, like, give Nick his Rick Grimes, you know, his Glenn, his, mm-hmm. you know, outfit, so you would always be like, well, there's Nick coming in his old man clothes. <laughs> he's vintage lisa yeah oh i'm sorry yeah yeah he's very hipster he's a hipster he's a hipster he's a hipster junkie we just have to make you know concessions for that it is it is la so that's true (laughs) just like Um, a normal day in la and what's really funny is that that guy uh the guy that plays him frank delane 
um, with yeah, one of the Voldemort. young, yeah, one of the young <laughs> Voldemorts from Harry Potter. Um, so that was just kind of fun, and he looks like he looks like a young Johnny Depp too. He really, really does. He really does look like a young Johnny Depp. Which good for him. I mean, that worked out okay for Johnny Depp. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's probably a positive for Frank Delane. I think yeah, absolutely. He could put that you know on his CV as he's sending it out with his headshots, uh, where he's dressed like Johnny Depp. Now that Johnny Depp kind of always looks like an aging pirate, we need we need a <laughs> we need like a new young Johnny. We Depp. We do. If so Frank now, Delane is ready to step up, I'm willing to accept it. I'm willing to accept it as well. I think he's a good actor. He's yeah. done he's done well with the part, so yeah. Yeah. Well, and I like I hated him as much as I, you know, like sympathized with him. So right. I think he did a really great job of, of nailing that. Um and then I think I think the most interesting thing for me in the show was uh how it how they framed it as um like, he's a junkie, and he always sees these terrible things, like, while he's high. Yeah. Uh, so, like, the world that he lives in is different than the world everybody else was living in before. And now after, they're finally all living in the world that he has been in this entire yeah, time. Yeah, I love um, that when he talks yeah. about that, and he says, you know, I was the insane one for so long, mm-hmm. and now everyone's on my level. Yes. And I even, that's what I even loved about the pilot, where it was like, you know, he's seeing things and he's not even sure if he's seeing what's real until mm-hmm. there are other people there to go, yep, you know, you are yeah. definitely seeing people eating flesh and coming back from the dead. <laughs> that is a thing you are seeing. So. Yes. Yes. That is not a drug-fueled hallucination. That is reality. And so, I, yeah, I really I really like that. I kind of wish that they had, had established that a little better, I think, because um, like you said, it was present in the pilot and then in the final episode he he calls back to it uh but it sort of disappeared out of the middle um as they went back to like the mundanities of living inside inside the fence and like interpersonal conflicts and things yeah and Um, i think um i do think it was it's correct in a way that where is that going to start where are you going to first see like these zombies and it's going mm -hmm. to be kind of in the dregs of humanity the people that are in their like crack houses and things like that, that's where it would start, probably. Yeah. I mean, we have no idea where well, this even came from to begin with, but... Yeah, if it starts in a, like, well, you know, if we if we look at a zombie, the like the zombie epidemic as sort of like an AIDS corollary, right. um, that's where it starts as it starts in, uh, in, in populations that are at risk right. um, and, you know, exhibiting risky behaviors. Um, and who don't get the attention or the care that they need because of... Um, you know, prejudices or, or ignorance. So yeah, like I, I like that. But again, I mean, that's not the story that we got. Like that was See, I know I was that's like hoping we were exactly. I think that's what we're kind of hitting at is there's all these little threads of ideas, really great ideas that never mm-hmm. came to fruition or were dropped and then came back. And so it's kind of like the whole middle section, especially is just like, the military versus the suburbs and, you yeah. know, families kind of learning what's going on. And it's like, eh, fine. Like, meh. You know, I've already kind of seen, like, bad behaved military in, like, 28 Days Later and other movies. So I'm right. like, all right, I've seen it. So I, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, it just, it didn't quite hit the mark in the middle of the season for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that they can, um, that they can you know, examine what it is that they've done with this very, yeah. very short season. Cause they did, I think, um, 
there was a lot of opportunity that they missed. Uh, but I think in such a short season, I think that their aims were a lot different than maybe what our audience expectation was. Um, but I I just really hope that when they come back for a second season that they can sort of course correct and, you know, flesh out yeah, some of these Yeah, what will be interesting better. is to see how long they can maintain it. And I know they have two different showrunners and two different writing staffs, so they're not correlating with The Walking Dead. But it will be mm-hmm. interesting how what can you do when you're now running close to parallel later on with The Walking Dead that we have not already seen. Right, right. Because The Walking Dead goes there. I mean, they will go, they do everything on that show. They go insane. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, what can you now show us that we haven't seen? And I mean, they are getting on a boat next season. So <laughs> that'll be something we haven't seen is, yeah. you know, people on a boat with zombies. So I do wonder, like, I just, I have so many questions about Strand's plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, we know that one of the big problems in, in the post-apocalypse is how you feed yourself, like, um, how you keep yourself safe and in one location and how you defend that at the same time that you're also, like, um, rediscovering agriculture and, like, feeding a population. And I just, I'm kind of like, okay, super yacht, but, um, I don't think super yacht is going to have the facilities that you need to, like, grow your crops. No. You can't fish for your every meal. And, you know, they're in California, so there's going to be a lot of people whose first instincts are get on a boat, go into the water. So they're going to meet other people, and, you know, you're going to meet people that are going to be all of a sudden pirates and think, you know, we're going to jump onto your boat and, you know, kill you and steal your stuff. That's going to be probably an issue. And then, you know, in the Dawn of the Dead remake, the whole ending was we're going to take this boat out to this island where there's probably not zombies but guess what <laughs> there's totally zombies yeah. on that island so yeah that maybe didn't work out so well no. um i think maybe they didn't think that one through i did kind of uh when i was in california uh over the summer i was driving along the coast you were looking and- for places to hide from zombies well of course, of course. I, I mean who isn't looking for that at all times um, but, like, driving along the coast and seeing, like, the crops that are right there mm-hmm. to take advantage of the sea spray, um, I did start thinking about, like, oh, you could set up a little colony here on the coast, but then how would you defend it from from the pirates that are coming in from offshore, like, the people who have jumped on their super yacht and gone out to sea? Like, how is that going to work? Yeah. I, um, for me, yeah. like, having spent a lot of time in California, I'm like, I think eventually they will have to go more inland to, like, mm-hmm. some of the farmlands and... Like, some of the places a little north of L.A. that are just, like, little towns or just farmhouses out in the middle of nowhere with crops. Like, eventually they're going to have to end up there, I think. Because yeah. the cities are just always too dangerous in a zombie apocalypse. That's why, you know, yeah. like, they went to Atlanta on The Walking Dead. It did not turn out well for anyone. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think I think the thing, the thing that I've been looking for in zombie shows or movies um in stories is that how do you rebuild the semblance of a civilization right um and the walking dead gets into that a little bit but you know something always goes catastrophically wrong because you can't guard against every possibility and sometimes um you don't notice that somebody's dying of the flu you know as they're shambling to the shower in the middle of the night and you have to flee wherever you are and i would really like to see like a story that that kind of focused on that. Cause I, I didn't feel like the walking dead, the parts of it that I saw where they were actually in a fixed location 
um, when they're at the yeah, prison. Yeah, that's it. They had like the pig flu or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm really interested in like the day to day of how do you make that work. Um, and I, I don't know that everybody else is interested in that. I don't even know if it would be interesting or if it would just be really boring. Like, uh, maybe I need to read like an agricultural study <laughs> instead. But, um, like I'm really interested in the stories that like new ways of dealing with like zombies that we don't typically see. But I just, I don't have any confidence that Fear the Walking Dead is going to do that because they've already, they went, they ran so fast for what The Walking Dead right. is already in, you know? Um, so I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll watch the second season. I'll recap it if the Televixen wants me back again. But I don't know if I'm going to be like a super yeah. fan about it. I know. I feel like I'm just um, watching so, it to be watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, d- I don't watch The Walking Dead, so I'll watch <laughs> this instead until it gets to be too much. Um so I have you seen anything recently? There are a couple of things that I want to talk about that I think do really um interesting things with that with the zombie story. Um and I'd be interested to get your take on that if you have any any that you would recommend. The first one I actually just rewatched it yesterday. Um it's a movie Oh called my gosh, Fido. love it. It's on my list as well. Yeah. Yes. Good. I'm I'm so glad. I think everybody who sees it will love it, honestly, because it's it's just fantastic. It came out in about 2006, I think, and it stars Carrie Ann Moss and Billy Connolly um, and Dylan Baker. It's uh, It recasts the zombie story as um, instead of World War II, there was a zombie war um, or a series of zombie wars where radiation from space caused some sort of zombie epidemic and the radiation persists. So anyone who dies becomes a zombie, something we're very familiar with. Um, and so this is set in like the 1950s in this very idyllic community that is surrounded by a gate and patrolled and they have done a, a sort of end of Shaun of the Dead kind of a thing where they have repurposed zombies to be so menial great. laborers. Um, so like a sign of status is one, one big marker of status is being able to yeah. afford a funeral, uh, when you die where your head is separated from your body and buried <laughs> separately from, from your body. Um, and they're they're very, very expensive, so it's a big status symbol to be able to do that. And you're not allowed to bury people yourselves at home uh, because they have to regulate to make sure that they're not going to come back. And then also to have zombie servants is this huge deal. Um, and Billy Connolly plays the zombie in question. Uh, they be- it becomes a servant to this family. And it's just so cute. Like, I just... It's so weird to say that a zombie story is adorable, but this yeah, one really, I, uh, really is. It's been a while since I've seen it. Now I want to watch it again, but I definitely recommend that. It's it's very sweet. It's weirdly sweet that this yes. zombie kind of comes into this family's life and is, like, better to them than some of the human people in their lives. And, yeah, it's really, yes. it's, it's about as sweet and cute as a zombie story could possibly be. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's a, and it, it, I think, I don't know, it, it kind of raises some interesting questions about, like, how you treat people after they're not people anymore. Um, and are they, are they not people anymore? Like, one of the, you're introduced to the, the kid in the movie, the, the son of this family, uh, whose name is Timmy. And then at the climax of the movie, you get this really great, like, lassie. Yeah, thing happening where um, the zombie can't speak, so the mother has to be like, "Where's Timmy? Did what happened to Timmy?" And yeah, it's really really fun. Um, but so you're introduced to this kid, and the first thing that you really see from him is he's asking an executive from Zomcon, the company that you know puts zombies to work. Um, you know, are zombies alive or are they dead? Uh, and that sort of becomes like the question of the movie, like. 
you know, is there any semblance of humanity left in these zombies? And I just, it's, it's really cute. It's really sweet. Um, it's actually, I would say it's probably also a romance. Um, yeah, a little bit because yeah, a Carrie Ann Moss and yeah, a little bit. Yes. Yeah. I don't want to give too much away because I think it's really adorable and everybody should discover it for themselves, but it's, it's very fun. Um, and then another zombie story that did something kind of surprising, uh, was uh, Warm Bodies. I, You know, I have not seen the movie, but I have read the book. And Oh, yeah? Yeah, I, my reasons for seeing the movie was, not seeing the movie, or uh, I was reading the book around the time the movie had already been out, and I mm-hmm. love the book. And so then I was like, I go online to see was, like, who was cast in some of the minor roles, and they yeah. whitewashed one of the characters. <gasps> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a character that's like, it's, um... Teresa Palmer in the movie, her character, it's like her best friend, Nora. Okay, okay. And in the book, I mean, she is blatantly described as being half black, half white, and that her father was Ethiopian. And then mm. I'm like, oh, well, who's playing her in the movie? And it's Annalie Tipton, who is very white. Yes. And I was like, really? <laughs> like, it's just, it's not even a major character that you're not, that you're whitewashing. It's just like a supporting character. Come on. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of miffed, and so I have not got around to seeing the movie. But I love the book. So. I've got the the book is actually sitting on my dining room table. Um, I bought it just just a couple of weeks ago, and I haven't gotten to it yet. But I'm good. I like hearing that you loved it because I am excited. Yeah, it. it really does a great job of it's just kind of talking about like the effects of being a zombie on the zombie, mm-hmm. and like you know, for those of you who don't know, born bodies, it's like. There's kind of, like, these levels of being a zombie where you start out to where you're kind of still alive and then you, you kind of get worse. And, and like, the main character, R, which is Nicholas Holt in the movie, like, he starts to be able to speak and he starts to fall in love with this human girl and and all this stuff. And it, it kind of, like, the book talks about, like, appreciating life in a really beautiful mm-hmm. way that I was kind of touched by. So I really yeah. love the book. Yeah. In the movie, um, I think it's through music that um, mm-hmm. he sort of reconnects with or rediscovers what parts of him are still human. Um, as he's falling in love with this girl, it's kind of, they go hand in hand. Um, and I really like that. Like that's the, that, like I was saying, like I want, I look for something that's unexpected in a zombie story. And yeah. part of the reason that I feel like I personally am interested in, zombie stories is because of this fascination with death, like the mystery of, you know, what happens to you after you die. And it's like this huge thing that we're all headed toward and we don't talk about it at all. You know, like you don't think about it. It's something you avoid talking and thinking about. Um, So any kind of a story that, that deals with, you know, what actually does happen and if you become a zombie, which is technically fiction, right? (laughs) Not really going to happen. Technically. Uh, Technically not true. Um, but, like, that question of, like, what happens to you in the meantime, and then also if you look at, 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 at um, like, zombie stories as, like, uh, parallels for uh, chronic illness or depression or mental illness, you know, um, you know, how do you re- how do you find your, like, how do, what spark of humanity is left um, as these things change you, you know, mm-hmm. the, um, that you can't do anything about. Uh, so, for me, Warm Bodies, I think, like, was really interesting in that way. Because uh, it's all about how, like, this guy inside this zombie body, you know, he's still in there. There's still some part of him that's in there. And as he reconnects with these things from life, um, sort of enlivens him. Um, like, he's never going to be unzombified, but 
he can still be himself. He can still be a person. Yeah. In there. Um, and there's a character played by, um, oh, what's his name? Rob Corddry. Oh, yeah. Zombie. Yeah. M, um, who, you know, actually puts the, those words into the movie. Like, he actually speaks those words. Because uh, he, as a zombie, he's grieving for the life that he's lost, for the people that he's lost. Uh, and he sort of is the push towards like love that that R needs to get um uh, i just it 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 was a really i think heartwarming <laughs> i agree a strange thing to I say mean, about even a zombie in the book story. like i said it, it's, it's very touching and very mm-hmm. interesting the way it's kind of laid out and it, it makes you think about your own humanity a lot and i think that's kind of like you were saying about what why people are so interested in zombies and there's a lot of reasons and why they're so scary when they do scary zombies is because they're shells of what we used to be they're human still because like the slasher movies like mm-hmm. you know jason and mike meyer michael myers and freddie they're not real you know that's not how it works people do get murdered but right. not like that but these unstoppable forces and like ghosts also probably not real i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i have technically i have up. some theories and like yeah. you know other creepy gross monsters not real but and zombies also not real yet. But I, it's like you're looking at something that it used to be your neighbor, it used to be your friend, it used to be your spouse, your child, mm-hmm. and now they're. It's you know what's more horrifying than even the thought of it happening to you, to losing yourself and who you are, yeah, and just becoming this mindless thing that, and also cannibalism involved, like. Cannibalism yeah. is a horrifying thing that humans, real life humans, have done to people. So it's it's all of those things amassed into one thing, and then there are these like slow ambling things that are still going to get you no matter where you run. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like encompasses all of the horror of what makes a zombie and why that's that genre has just kept on going and so successful. Yeah. And that's something you you said there, like how like what what do you do when your neighbor becomes this monster? Mm-hmm. You know, that I think doesn't really get explored in a lot of zombie stuff. Because a lot of zombie stuff is literally just destroy yeah. the heads, right? Like you go on these rampages, everybody becomes a killing machine, even though what you're killing is technically already dead. Um, and that's and like for me, there's something really interesting in like the psychology of that. Like, how do you react? Uh, when your entire neighborhood becomes monstrous around you, um, you know, had what, as a survivor, as somebody who has not yet become a zombie, like, what remains of your humanity when you're forced to destroy all of these things that used to right. be people? Right, and that's, I mean, know? that's something that The Walking Dead really does explore, in yeah. that, you know, who's more monster, the humans or the zombies at this point? And mm-hmm. the things that you have to do to survive sort of make you almost as much of a monster as the zombies are. And and to the point right. of, you know, they've now seen so many of their loved ones get killed or get turned that it's almost just like, Ugh, again, eh, we shoot her in the head. Okay. Let's, you know, stab her in the head. Whatever you gotta yeah. do, let's go. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's really interesting to me, too. Um, one of the things that I like about The Walking Dead is it introduced uh, pretty early on uh, the idea, like, what do you do, like, to, 
if you want humanity to continue, you have to bring new life into right. the world, right? You have to br- you have to have children. You have to bring babies in and protect them and keep them safe. And what does that say about you um, to bring a child into this horrible, monstrous world where the only certainty is death? Yeah, and, and maybe even sh- and, and, and they reanimation. Even show what a liability it can be to have a baby because you know mm-hmm. the baby starts crying. You can't stop the baby from crying, and that's going to attract the zombies, right. the walkers. So. Yeah, and and what it does to children. I know there's uh, there was the little girl. I don't know what season it was in. Who is so profoundly affected by what has happened? Like the whole that little girl was a she becomes a monster. <laughs> yeah, no, there she was, was <laughs> the zombie. You can't blame I mean, the zombie apocalypse. I think the zombie apocalypse triggered it early. But had that not happened, yeah. she would have been like 25 and just murdering people. But it was still mm-hmm. an incredible oh, yeah. story, the way that it was told. And how it even seeped kind of slowly from when you first meet her and you think she's, oh, he's just a kid trying to survive and not understanding yeah. things. And then you get further into it and you're like, no, that kid's got to go. <laughs> and it's... Yeah. And I think the scariest thing, because I did see the episode where Look at the her flowers. story comes to an end. And I think the scariest thing for me about her was she was using the same rationalizations that mm-hmm. they, all of the, the adults use, you know, um, that, you know, you had to you had to get to it before something happened, right? Like, it's the same conversation that, like, Rick has with himself. Can he actually destroy Shane before Shane turns, or does he have to wait until it happens? Um, you know, so that was really interesting to see, like, how the rationalizations that adult adults use uh, to explain their actions to themselves and to keep moving forward when a child who doesn't have the same, um, the same mechanisms yeah. for making choices like that uh, you know, how it becomes so monstrous. Yeah. I thought that was really, really interesting. Uh, yeah. So I, Warm Bodies, Fido, are there any other uh, zombie stories that you think do um, something a little different? That yeah, you there, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a movie, um, and I think it's still on Netflix. It might be, I'm not sure. It's called American Zombie. And it's actually a mockumentary. Mm-hmm. And the zombies in it, at first, they're kind of like, uh, if you think about like iZombie, they're kind of just living and walking among us, and it's kind of like an underground thing that they exist. And so it's mm-hmm. a, a mockumentary where this filmmaker goes in to kind of, like, uncover what's really going on and, like, interview these zombies. And at first they're all like, you know, we're just normal people with, like, a little disorder. It's fine. <laughs> we're normal. And then it gets yeah. to where they have, like, kind of like a zombie Lollapalooza where they just go primal and though and i mean I, I mean it like it's like zombie burning man or something like they have a musical festival and <laughs> they literally do and it and oh, it's, wow. so it's them kind of sneaking up and trying to uncover what's really the dark side of these walking talking zombies so it's kind of funny but it's interesting it's something i had never seen done before so i i think it was kind of mm-hmm. fun in a way something new i'll have to check that out yeah, and then um, there's actually a documentary, and I, it's uh, we watched it in film school called um, American Nightmare, and it's not just about zombies; it's about like horror films in general, starting with like Night of the Living Dead and onward. Mm-hmm. Because Night of the Living Dead really kind of marked a sea change in what we knew as horror, right? And um, what it does is it talks about the times that these movies came out and what was going on in the world and how that created those movies. And how they were using them 
as outlets to deal with what was happening in the world. So Night of the Living Dead was 1968, and there's obviously a very uh, obvious metaphor for the civil rights movement Mm -hmm. in Night of the Living Dead, because you have these, like, essentially lynch mobs going after the zombies. You have your main character, who is a black man, which was unheard of to have a lead actor in a movie like that who was black. And then at the end of the movie, of course, these crazy southern white idiots come upon the house and they just see him in the house, assume he's a zombie, and then shoot him, even Mm -hmm. though he's alive and he is the hero of our movie. Right. So it kind of talks about how, you know, George Romero was, like, living in this time and how they applied that to the movie. And even the fact that, like, I think it was a couple days after they finished shooting Night of the Living Dead is when Martin Luther King was killed. Oh, wow. So it was really right in that time. And then they yeah. go, they go even go into like the Vietnam War and Tom Savini, who's a makeup effects artist, uh, was actually a photographer in the Vietnam War and, and, uh, used what he learned of looking at dead bodies and mutilated bodies to apply to his work as a horror effects makeup artist. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they talk about all that and how people were feeling about Vietnam when Last House on the Left came out. And so it goes through all of these different decades and like the sexual revolution of the seventies and how that affected the films of Damon Cronenberg. But the specifically for this, you know, discussion, the uh, zombie thing at the beginning is very interesting and how that kind of came apart because before that zombies in movies were voodoo zombies. They were like Mm -hmm. controlled by some master. They were not flesh eating cannibals. And it was George Romero that created what we know as zombies today. So it's, I think that's a really interesting documentary that i'll have to check that one out um i have not seen that before but yeah that is i i i think um we talked about this a little bit before but the way that the the horror changes to reflect the times that it's in um is really interesting and how our our idea of zombies is sort of unchanged though like we have two versions of zombies now which are um the fast like frantic 28 days later right uh the, like the, the frenzy, the Danny zombie, Boyle, right? Zack Snyder, running zombies. Yeah, yeah. Like the the hyper, uh, the hyper horror. Yeah. I think. Um, and then you have like the Romero version, which is really slow and but it, in great numbers. And if you're not paying attention, they can you can be still be overtaken. Um, and sort of like this inevitable tide of zombies. Um, instead of like this really fast paced, um, anybody could be taken down at any time by them. Um, but other than that, like the zombie story. You know, it's fundamentally the same until you get into these things like, um, uh, like Warm Bodies and Fido um, and Eye Zombie. You yeah. mentioned the the TV series that follows the point of view of a, of a woman who has become zombie. Yeah, I always um, say that Eye Zombie is the zombie show for people who don't like zombies. Because yeah. I, and I and I have a lot of friends that watch it who are not into horror and they can't watch The Walking yeah. Dead because it's just too gross for them. And I said, you know, there's a little bit of grossness because she does eat brains, but she eats them tossed up in mm-hmm. like pasta, you know. And it's very, it's very, it's a very sophisticated model of of zombie right. culture. <laughs> That's even a term you can right. use of zombie culture. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not bloody, it's not horror. Um, it's it's a police exactly basically. It's a police, she just happens to be a zombie, like a private detective. <laughs> Um, it's a really cute show too. I really, really adore it. Um, the cast is really great, and it's Rob right. Thomas. I, so if you've been a fan of other Rob Thomas, it is very much in that Veronica Mars vein. It's it's not Veronica yeah. Mars because I don't think she ate brains, but <laughs> she may have. If it had made know. it to season four, maybe. <laughs> 
That puts a very interesting spin yes. on season four. Exactly. Actually. <laughs> Um, maybe, maybe now we know why, uh, Veronica turned to becoming a lawyer instead of becoming an FBI there you go. agent. Uh, yeah, but iZombie is really cute and really upbeat. Um, and it again, does that thing of like exploring like what happens to your humanity after this thing. And it also kind of goes the way of, um, zombification as like uh, an allegory yeah. for depression, um, and, cr- and chronic illness, uh, which I think is really, really interesting. And it's just cute. Everybody should watch it. Robbie is the best. Obviously. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, okay, uh, there was something else I was going to ask, and I don't remember what it was now. I don't um, do you have anything else you wanted us to say about zombies? I, Any I other recommendations? Like, uh, such a list. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> um, like, there's a lot of non-traditional zombie things. Like, there's a, uh, there's a French show that I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the name of. It's called The Returned, and it's not brain-eating zombies, mm-hmm. but it is people back from the dead. And it's really great. It's kind of a, what would, what would you do if your loved ones suddenly returned after two years, 10 years, 15 years, and so on. And it actually, Mm -hmm. the second season starting on Sundance this weekend, Halloween weekend. Yeah. So it's really great. And then you have all the obvious choices. Like if you've never seen Night of the Living Dead, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Get on it. Watch the original. (laughs) Don't watch the remake. Don't watch the colorized version of the original. It's creepy as hell in black and white that's all you need um yeah the dawn of the dead this the 1970s version is great and i actually think that the remake is pretty great it's the best thing zack snyder's directed and yeah and yes, honestly i is. give most it, of the credit of that a lot of the credit to james gunn's script but at least zack snyder mm-hmm. didn't ruin it so it's <laughs> kind of yeah, you know, I think I I really would not hesitate to say that um, I think that is the best thing that Zack Snyder ever did because it's um, Zack Snyder with somebody like it looks like there's somebody's hand on his back, like holding him back from doing uh, all yeah. of the things that we now associate yeah. with him that we hate. It, right? This is like, Zack Snyder. This is, really is Zack Snyder under version. control because obviously he was not. <laughs> you know where he is now, where they kind yes. of let him do what he wants, which is bad. And it, so it's under the control of a studio with yeah. the script of James Gunn. So it just kind of is better. So that, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I I think that was actually, because um, I had seen Night of the Living Dead before. I had seen, I mean, you right. can't avoid zombie movies, right? Like growing up in America, it just, it just doesn't happen. Um, but I think Dawn of the Dead was the first time that I actually saw one that, uh, I found to be mm-hmm. really, really compelling, um, you know, with, with people trying to survive. Um, I really like the aspect of, th- so the premise is these people are all trapped in a mall basically. Um, and they have to fight their way out. Um, and like, just, I, I love that yeah. sort of like found family aspect of it, of like, you have to get along with these people. And then also like, all these people from all these different walks of life and like um, the interpersonal conflicts that you think are so important and they continue, you continue to think they're so important, even though there are much larger stakes now. Right. Um, So I really, I really, really loved uh, the remake. I love the original, but um, the remake, I think think the original might be the first zombie film I ever saw as a kid. And um, holy crap, that's one. (laughs) I mean, that's definitely a good introduction into the genre too. Um, yeah, I think Night of the Living Dead was mine, and it's very yeah. slow-paced. Um, it's very much a, ni- a movie from 1968, uh, and very low budget. Um, yeah. So I think that probably 
it it didn't have as much of an impact on me because I would have been coming to it from these big budget sci-fi right. blockbusters and then like this very slow old uh, black and white and now uh, you know the larger themes about um, civil rights and racism would have been completely beyond me. Of course. Um, but Dawn of the Dead, I think, I think those the two, the original and the remake, are probably yeah. my favorites. Although Shaun of the Dead, I love Shaun of the Dead so much. Um, it's, yeah. A I, and, comedy. Well, and I love that like, it's not a spoof or a satire. It's just. It's a zombie mm-hmm. movie that's funny, which I love. I love that they yeah. did that. I I just love it. <laughs> and it introduces that thing that I like the you know like what have what what of your humanity remains? Um, because we keep seeing that like these zombies continue to do sort of mm-hmm. the same things in death right. that they had like done play in video life. games. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, like uh, you hang around the place where you were all the time, and like you still act the same way, even though you're just like a corpse wandering the street, right? Like, uh, the bike yeah, messenger. Yeah, you still go back. Still, you're still going to go. He's carrying part right, of the bike. Right, you're still going to go back and... to the bar that you were at every day. And, yeah. Right. And yeah. that's a movie that actually does deal with the, yeah. what do you do when someone that you love has now been infected? Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. yeah very effective. Very emotionally too. I mean, for a comedy, you, too. You think going with, in. With his mother and everything. It's yeah. like, wow, this is really hitting a strong emotional beat. For a movie that's been really funny mm-hmm. up to this point, so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very surprising. Very good. And I don't. I don't expect that anybody who's listening to us right. has not Come already on. seen it. But on the off chance that it missed you somehow, please check it yeah. out immediately. So okay, more quick wrecks uh, would be like Twenty Eight Days Later, obviously. Um, more non traditional zombies with like Reanimator. Um, pet. I love Reanimator. Uh, mm-hmm. Pet Cemetery is just wrong. Pet Cemetery is. I think the movie that scared me the most as a child. There's a toddler um, who murders people. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Well, and the worst part is like, you know, it's a bad idea, but you're also like, but I love my exactly. cat a lot. Right. It's so emotional. Cause ugh, yeah. And yeah. Like I, I watched pet cemetery and I read the book and I even saw the sequel, which is terrible. Yeah, it is. And I still am like, you know what? It's tempting. If they come back a little wrong, maybe that's not so bad. Like, <laughs> the cat was okay. I mean. Yeah, I can deal with a little bit wrong because, you know, I don't know if I could deal with a little bit wrong in a person. I've seen living um, cats that are worse than that zombie cat was, but. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's very true. I don't need any murder toddlers no. in my life. You leave but the toddler I just, where you know, he belongs the, in the grave. The regular cemetery. <laughs> if the possibility is out there, I am not going to say, you know, definitively I would not take advantage of it. Right. I'll just leave it at that. No. So, yeah, Pet Cemetery. Um, I like the first Resident Evil movie quite a bit. So the sequels uh-huh. are just okay. Um, then I really, really want to recommend a movie I love, and it's called Brain Dead. And here in the States, it's called Dead Alive sometimes. And it's actually Peter Jackson long before Lord oh, of the yeah. Rings. And it's just an insane movie. It's another horror comedy, and it's like, I think they said they went on record for, like, the most amount of fake blood ever used. Like, there's literally a sequence <laughs> at the end where the main character has a lawnmower and just, like, obliterates a horde of zombies. And it's, yeah. like, gallons of blood. It's it's one of those movies that the first time I watched it, like, when you start watching it, you're like, what the hell is happening here? There's, like, a Sumatran yeah. rat monkey that infects people. And then, like, <laughs> he keeps his now infected mother, like, in the basement. And 
it's there's like a zombie demon baby and there's like a priest who does kung fu it's incredible it's one of my favorite movies it's so insane and it's like you know this is what peter jackson was doing in new zealand before somebody said hey have you heard about hobbits (laughs) (laughs) it's incredible so yeah what's What's really impressive is you look at uh, Peter Jackson's early yeah. catalog, and somebody looked at that and said, I think you'd be really good for this story about bucolic, like, English countryside in right. this mythological, I mean, like, framework. The, another movie... Yeah. I think the Dead yeah, Alive guy is going to be perfect Another movie that he made that. in that era was Meet the Feebles, which is about these, like, raunchy, <laughs> dirty puppets. It's like, yeah. um, like, if you think of the Angel episode Smile Time or... You know, something like that. It's kind of where those came from, where they're like, look, we can make puppets, mm-hmm. like children's puppets. Filthy. <laughs> and it's great, too. So I just kind of I yes. kind of want Peter Jackson to be like, okay, all this Hobbit nonsense is done. Let's go back to make something weird. Let's go, go back, back to, to something roots. weird. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that one. Uh, I agree. I also have to recommend Dead Snow, which is about Nazi zombies. It's a Norwegian movie. Yeah, it's a Norwegian movie, and um, it's a little slow in parts, but it's like the typical young people go to this cabin, and it's like this snowy mountain, and um, these Nazi zombies come up. (laughs) It's Nazi zombies, literally. I can't even describe it, but it's pretty hilarious. So that, and then um, Serpent in the Rainbow, which is like voodoo zombies, and it's based on a book, and it's uh, the late, great Mm -hmm. Wes Craven. And uh, Bill Pullman's the star of it. And uh, it's pretty creepy. Pretty good. Um, then I also have to recommend Slither, which is zombies if they were infected by alien slugs. So <laughs> 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 but it is James Gunn uh, directing and writing. Yeah. Uh, and Nathan Fillion, Elizabeth Banks, uh, they're the stars of it. Michael Brooker is also in it. And um, it's fantastic i love that movie so much we saw it twice in 24 hours in the theaters Did you yeah really? and it was a box office bomb but it's a movie that has kind of grown over the years that on people and kind of become a cult favorite and i love mm-hmm. it i love hysterically insane horror comedies so it's definitely at the top yeah, of the list so. i i I don't think I made it all the way through because it is one of the most disgusting movies I've ever seen. I was just kind of like, I I need to take a break, and that break has lasted for years uh, now. Yeah. Like, mid-movie? Um, yeah, but it's very funny. Uh, and I remember, I just remember how excited all my friends were when it came out. So it, it might be the movie for somebody else out there. Yeah, it's me. definitely got a gore factor. So, so that, and mm-hmm. then... I'm going to get to the end of the list, I swear, soon. Um, and then, just because a zombie fights a shark, I think you should watch Lucio Fulci's Zombie 2, which is actually his unofficial <laughs> sequel to to Night of the Living Dead, which is hysterical. That he, He's an Italian horror director, and he just decided, I'm going to make a sequel to a movie that I didn't make. <laughs> so, but a zombie and a shark do have a fight, and that's my brand right there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's nothing that screams Lisa Easton more. Than a zombie fighting a shark? Probably not. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I feel like, I feel like maybe you accidentally made that movie in a few state, and, like, you just have no memory of it, because it's totally you. Yeah, it's possible. (laughs) Highly possible. (laughs) 
Yeah, so I think that's, I mean, that's basically the end. I don't consider the Evil Dead movies zombie movies, even though some do. But mm-hmm. let's just watch them anyway. Let's do it. Yeah, well, I I think I would actually consider them, well... Uh, They're demon-possessed zombies. Kind of. I, I guess, mean, actually, um, Army of Darkness is yeah. the only one I would actually consider to be, like, a zombie movie. Um, the first two Evil Deads are definitely not... I wonder how much Ash versus Evil Dead the series is going to be. Um, how much is, is it going to be more like the first two movies? Or is I it feel be like Army it's going to be more um, Evil Dead Two than anything else, just from the previews mm-hmm. that I've seen so far. So, um, yeah, the I saw a, mm-hmm. a, a making of um, preview sort of a thing, and it did feel it did have a very Evil Dead Two, which I'm totally vibe. into. Evil Dead Two um, is my favorite. Exa- so, yeah. I don't think anybody is excited is as excited about it as you are. Like no, that is also my brand. I'm like that is also my brand. Yeah, my brand would be a zombie fighting a shark while like Bruce Campbell comes in and breaks it up. (laughs) (laughs) Bruce Campbell is the shark and the zombie. There you go. Yeah, that's. I like it. I like it. Um. Yeah. So I don't. I. I think you actually covered uh, all the. My recommendations were um, Evil Dead and, and Shaun of the Dead. So. Uh, I think that's about it. Unless you have anything else, any do you have any profound wisdom for those who might find themselves one day fighting a zombie? Um, well, as Zombieland would tell you, cardio. I think cardio. Very <laughs> Double important. tap. Take the stairs, guys. Take the stairs. Yeah. Lisa, where can people find you if they want to hear more from you? I think you've heard enough today, but in case you want to hear more... <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> uh, I'm on Twitter at It's Lisa E, and uh, I pretty much link to my blog there where I write about horror movies, and then I also write at the Televixen, which I'm covering Ash vs. Evil Dead when it starts, covering... I do a lot okay. of shows where people get brutally murdered. American Horror Stories, <laughs> Scream Queens, Fargo, and so on, and The Vampire Diaries. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, and you can uh, you can follow us at uh, realbossybritches.com. We're on Twitter and Tumblr at Britches Podcast. We are on Facebook, but as we tell you every time, we don't know the name of our page, so you just have to find <laughs> us there. Uh, and you can rate and review us on iTunes as well, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs>